Coming to you from the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Your go-to for all things sim racing. Grab a drink, settle in, and get ready for the Slow Motion Podcast. About 30 minutes ago, right before we started recording this podcast, I qualified first at Mount Panorama, got to Forest Elbow, spun it out, and took out everybody behind me. And I do hope that that is not foreshadowing for what happens to me or the Sudi team tomorrow. Guys, welcome in. Uh, my name is Adam Thompson, as always, and with me is Bradley Alvis. Got Eric Leitsky here again and Jake Luther. Jake was super excited to get on the podcast tonight because all he wanted to do was talk about F1 liveries. So we're, we'll get into that as well. Got a few more things we need to cover. We need to cover, Bradley, correct me if I get this wrong, Asatech? Aztec? Yeah. Asatech, yeah. Asatech. Uh, did a little bit of research on them today. Saw that they're getting into the sim stuff, and I know you've got a lot more information on that, so we'll get to that. Um, and then there is one thing that, we're going to cover probably after the break and it comes to, uh, well, as you guys know, this is the slow motion podcast, but I also have an LLC, the slow motion broadcasting company. And we're going to cover that a little bit, had a bit of some, uh, some trials and tribulations this week and just kind of wanted to, uh, air my feelings and thoughts and, and get everybody else's as well. But before we do all that, let's get into the virtual 12 hour I know I'm racing with Mad Sim starting tomorrow, my time at 5 p.m. Or sorry, 5 a.m. Bradley, I know, I think you guys, the Sudi team, you guys have two teams running. You guys are both starting at the same time, right? 5 a.m. as well? That's correct. Yep. What are, you, what are your uh, thoughts so far? How's the practice gone setup-wise? What are you worried about? Things like that. Uh, well, practice has gone pretty well considering I, I, I be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of this track over time. I've just kind of, kind of like the ring, man. I, I don't know. I have this thing where I just, I don't know. It doesn't get along with me very well. However, this time around in practicing, I've done pretty well. So I feel pretty, a lot more comfortable. Um, and we got a pretty good team. I think, uh, I think we have a pretty solid team. Uh, both of the teams, the the top team, uh, which is going to be, let's see, Jake. Um, it's going to be Dean, our young superstar. And uh, it's going to be, who's the other one? Oh, uh, Justin Caddy. Yep. That's going to be a solid team right there. So I think they'll do really well. Um, the other team is uh, myself, Steven, and uh, uh, old Juicy B. And uh, so, I mean, honestly, that I, I feel pretty good about it. I do. I, I, uh, we are going with a high downforce setup or a high, not high downforce, but higher than maybe what other people are picking. We're going up, up a wing or two, um, just cause 
honestly, if you survive, you'll probably win the damn race. So I don't know. That's it's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I don't think there's much fuel savings to be done, except if you just want to um, get a, gain a little time in the pits. It's going to be really hard to pull the numbers to actually get rid of a, an extra pit stop. It can happen, but it's very unlikely. So we'll see how it goes. Well, I mean, you were you've been watching me run these VRS races throughout the week, and you kind of saw, you know, even even when you are behind a car, I was able to fuel save over forty minutes. I was able to get about a lap out of it. Now the problem is, um. That was the VRS race and going into Bathurst, the BOP came out this week and they've taken 2.5% power out of the fucking BMW, which I think we're all running and they've dropped the fuel capacity by 1.5%. So that's going to make it even harder to fuel save. It's going to, it's just, you kind of wonder why they do this. I understand the BOP, right? But you know, they did it to the Ferrari uh, and they didn't touch the McLaren. And running with that McLaren this week, that thing is pretty damn quick. Surprise. Blistering fast. Yeah. So uh, it almost makes you wonder where, where these guys and how they decide to BOP these cars. And I know this happens in real life too, but I mean, what the fuck, man? How do they decide what they're going to BOP and what they're not? I don't know, but it's not always a negative thing. I mean, I, at first when I was like, man, they just docked us a lot of power on the BMW. I, I sat there for a second and I went, well, wait a minute. The problems that I typically have with the BMW are too much power when I'm going up the hill, when I start sliding the rear end around. And I noticed after the BOP, it actually got a little bit better. So that might not actually hurt all that much. That little bit of loss going down the one or the two straightaways. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a tenth or something. But in the big picture, being a little safer going up the hill may be better. So it may not have actually been the worst thing in the world if you look at it in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right. I think really my what i've what i've learned this week is you know what we could do at daytona won't work here right like you could qualify mid-pack back of the pack and be okay uh here you're putting yourself in a very precarious position by not qualifying well so whenever people say that qualifying doesn't matter normally i would agree with you all but here if you get one car sideways going up the hill or down the hill, it is game over for every single person behind him. Yeah. So it's a high uh, pressure track. This is, a, is this is one of these tracks where you do you never put your junior guy in as the starter. That's what I would say. Unless your junior guy is like a dean type of guy. But in general, you don't put your start or your starter in if he's a junior on this track, man. Because this is this is there's too much. Pr- we talk about pressure, right? This is the, this is one of the weird occasions where the, the track is the pressure on the endurance side, right? You're just like, do this track for two hours. If you do a two hour stint is horrible. It's rough, man. It's rough. So I just, it's very interesting in that, in that regard is that, you know, you're really fighting the track here. You're not Daytona. You're fighting all the other people around and, and right. drafts and making sure you're not getting hit by all the, uh, you know, different classes and all that. But here, you're just hoping you don't pinball down the track and take everybody out. I mean, it's so crazy, too. I mean, like I mentioned, we, I ran VRS last night with Justin Juicy B. By the way, uh, that guy is mental. He is running right now as well, uh, running his first session with his team. He's going to turn around and run with you guys. It's going to end uh, an hour, I believe. Uh, no, it's going to end right at the same time this next one starts. And he's going to turn around. He's going to jump in the Sudi car. So mm-hmm. 
that guy, Justin Barrera, I know you're going to listen to this podcast. Shout out. And you're fucking crazy for doing that. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, I was racing with him last night and I would, it felt great. The setup felt great. Everything was, was really good on the car. Um, get back in it today. Qualified really well. I mean, I put myself on pole lap one coming through forest elbow, man. And, and it's, it just, I, I must've got it wrong. I went back, I looked and there was nothing I was doing any differently trail breaking the same way. You know, making sure you're on the far left-hand side of the track. You got to get as close to that wall as possible. And it just just went around on me, you know? And that's it's the danger of this track is you're not... At that point where I was in first place, I was like, okay, we got through the start. Nobody's going to get to me. I was like, yeah, man, we're good, you know? Like, nobody's going to try to pass you through the mountain. They can't. So at that point, you are racing the track, and the track won. How much of that is going to happen tomorrow is, is, is that's, that's the scary part. Yeah. But you said it, it only takes one. Yeah. It only takes one time and half your fields in the pits. Like that's it. Ah, it's crazy. It's wild. It does. No. And you're never out of the race. And that's the one thing that is going to be big about this. Obviously, if you pinball it down the track, uh, and you've got 30 minutes worth of repairs or something like that, you, you're chances are pretty close to being shot but you know other than that i mean if you do fall back a little bit get yourself a little bit of damage have to come in for a few minutes to get it fixed there's nothing saying that these drivers you know i I think the biggest the biggest the the crucial point of these races are going to be when teams switch drivers so you've got a driver that's been in there for a couple hours pull them out brand new driver brand new cold tires he's been seeing the lap times his teammates running and then you know he's going to try to do the same and that's where a lot of these issues are going to arise i think so um you know it's just i think it's all just going to be about patience man forget for the first time in my life i'm going to turn off my time delta during the race and i'm just going to you could just got to run the track just going to have to run the track mark so eric um you decided to have a life this weekend. You're not going to run in the Bathurst. Are you not running in the Bathurst because you have other plans or are you not running in the Bathurst because you just dislike it that much? Uh, you know what? It's, I'm going to be honest. It's a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> you guys kind of already touched on it. Bathurst is, um, it's a really uh, treacherous kind of track, you know, uh, one small move and like half the field in the, in the pits and, I don't know. My party trick when we're doing endurance races is I like to not get any uh, incident points, anything like that. Like I just, I'm like the, uh, the smooth driver, you know? Um, and I feel like I can't do that there. So <laughs> it's kind of like my, my kryptonite. So I don't really enjoy it that much. We've, we've done a couple Enduros there before and it's just never really gone well for me. Um, I like the track, but um especially with GT3 cars, there's really only one way up the mountain. And I don't love that because, you know, all it takes is one slow guy in front of you, you're stuck. And then, you know, a guy gets behind you and they're bumping you. Next thing you know, like you crash, there's nothing you could do. You had a clean race, like you're eight hours in and that's it. And I don't know. It's, it's one of those races where I look at it and I'm like, okay, I can, I can skip this. 
So uh, here's the deal, guys. We're we're both starting the Saturday morning session. Um, what are the chances the next one, the last one, I think starts up uh, about four hours after the the third one does, and we're going to be in the third one. Uh, are will you guys try to run it again if something happens that is out of your control? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, all right, Luther coming to you, man. I know you've been practicing. You've been putting all the schedules together. You're basically the HMFIC, uh, for this race almost. I Um, wish I knew what that meant. (laughs) Well, uh, you're not a boomer, so I'm pretty sure you do. Uh, but what is your confidence level here? What are you doing? I think I saw Dean starting. I don't know what the schedule's going like after that. Uh, are you ready for it? You do you think you've got the the max pace? Uh, you know, strategy wise, what are you guys thinking? And by the way, Jake, you feel free to give the strategy away because this podcast it won't. Nobody's going to be listening to it before the race tomorrow morning. Period. Uh, yeah. So. I don't have any expectations as of now. Obviously, the goal is always to win, but I've also never raced. I've done one race at Bathurst, which was a VRS sprint this week. I mean, I put practice in, don't get me wrong. So I felt pretty consistent and comfortable on the track. Um, But I have no clue. I know it's going to be a bloodbath come almost any of the turns for the first 10 laps as... You have the parade of lemmings crashing into each other. Um, so avoiding that's going to be key. Uh, then after that, I mean, we put Dean start, like starting, obviously. That's the meta. Always put Dean first. Put Dean in as many stints as he can do, which is almost all of them. But we need to satisfy the fair share rule, so we, we have to drive as well. Uh, we got Justin on there, who is also incredible. And then me, so my goal is once they get in the lead, I just don't don't fuck it up. And feeling pretty good. Uh, fuel strategy is most likely looking at cutting out that extra fill-up at the end. So the little splash and, splash and dash. Uh, definitely, even saving one lap of fuel per stint, not going to cut it. That's 12 laps, which is not an entire stint. So... I would say, although not impossible, it's not worth it trying to fuel save super hard, especially because you're going to have some guy behind you who's not going to expect fuel saving, which is even more deadly on this track than, say, Daytona. So it's going to be fuel saving a couple laps at some point throughout the race, most likely towards the end. And then the other part where fuel saving is going to be a lot, I think, more key in this is it's hard to pass. So if you're stuck behind somebody... Why risk, and they're decently quick, why risk trying to go for a pass if it's not looking like you can make one happen and just fuel save behind them, pit at the same time as them, and pass them right there? Well, I mean, that's what I was going to mention. I mean, fuel saving is, we always talk about it, especially in these endurance races and um, when a strategy is actually possible. Uh, You really can't. I mean, I'm thinking of spots you can fuel save, right, when you're in the draft. It's going to be down after turn one, going into turn two. You'll be able to lift a lot there, um, you know, because you can coast turn two quite a bit, right? But you start going up the hill, and it's not like you can lift early because the second, if you try to lift a little bit early, um, you lose all the momentum. I mean, you're in a GT3 car, man. They're heavy. They're 
pretty for you know a, a road car air quotes they're pretty aero dependent they've got a lot of downforce so you're going uphill you got downforce and then you've got to power out of those corners there's no way you're trying to get you know ease into the throttle going up the hill because you want to talk about losing time i mean i tried to feel safe for a couple laps there this week um i lost like two and a half seconds just trying to fuel save up the hill i mean it, you just i just don't think it's possible now down the hill you can but you're never really on throttle that much down the hill anyways yeah, I was so, just going to say that. Aren't you? Everybody's feel saving going down the hill. Why would you be back on throttle down the hill? There's no need. Right. Yeah. I. So that that's kind of where. I mean, basically, it's going to be turn the whatever the straightaway is between turn one and turn two, and then the straightaway after Forest Elbow down through the chase, and that's it. That's the only spot you're going to be yeah. able to do it. It's you the have, Russian uh, roulette of drafting. Cut? Right. Yeah. At Bathurst. Yeah. Is it called the cut? Whatever the the cutting is the yeah. cutting there you go that so, i was experimenting in vrs that felt pretty good you lift just a little bit earlier and you can ride in super deep without breaking on because think of the uphill so right that yeah. but that's tricky i would strongly recommend if anyone wants to do that practice it a couple times because it obviously throws your braking zone way off yep so uh jake are you gonna it sounds like you're not going to be the fuel Nazi that you were then at Daytona during my whole first two stints. All I'm all I'm hearing every lap is, hey, man, you got to got you need you need just a little more here or, or this is perfect. This is perfect. So it sounds like uh, the fuel Nazi has gone for this race, at least. Yeah, I learned a good bit <laughs> in our third attempt of Daytona. Uh, <laughs> what the uh, kind of best way of going about it is. And it's really just calculating off of what the average, like if no one's fuel saving, how many stops they're going to be doing in the pits, like how many laps they're doing. Right. And if you can cut out a pit stop, it's just doing whatever the normal is plus one. In this case, it's just taking a look at how much, ec like if the last stop is half of a stint of fuel, can we cut out half a stint worth of fuel? Is that reasonable? Yes. Then we do it. No, then we don't. And... That's what it boils down to. So it's going to be a lot more relaxed, a lot more just trying to survive because that's the, the important thing on this track. Relaxed. You said relaxed, dude. I, every time I do a race, I've done a race at Bathurst, my back, I mean, and it's bad, dude. I'll get up out of my seat and my, I've got a lumbar support back here and it is just soaking wet. This is the most, the hardest driving I've ever had to do knowing I'm not going to get past. It's the craziest thing for me is you're just so worried about, you know, you're like Bradley said, you're racing the track, dude. I'm not worried about anybody around me. If you want to go, go. But I know you're not going to be able to. So it's all going to be, you know, everything that we've said. And bear with me, guys. I'm going to segue this a little bit. How much do you think equipment will come into play during Bathurst? Do you think running... What's, what's the difference between running Logitech pedals and... uh? Asetech pedals uh, when you're uh, when you're going to Bathurst compared to like what you were running at Daytona. It's there. It means something. I'm glad you brought up Asetech. Obviously, there we go. But yeah, for sure. Uh, I you know that's a good question. Um, it's kind of funny I, that you brought that up. You you posed a question I wasn't prepared to answer, but I, I'll answer it like this. I will say that the one downfall of having crazy powerful direct drive and 
like the I have the Ace Attack Invictus pedal, pedals that are the hydraulic, absolutely ridiculous about how much pressure you have to put on them um, to get them to work. But like the disadvantage there is uh, over two hours at Bathurst, that is terrible. Like it, it actually is difficult. Now, I will say the one good thing is at Bathurst, there's a lot of brushing of the brake pedal. True. And that's really, it's perfect for that setup because there's just like a little bit of give initially uh, to simulate the... Uh, the the pad uh gap between the pad and the, the the rotor but then once it hits like it it really you can tell you're brushing like it feels like you're brushing the brakes properly and so you have a lot of sensitivity when you go down the hill on something like that and you don't have to be afraid because the lighter setups if you if you hit it just a little bit it could be a lot um, right so there is a distinct advantage with something like that and the ability to tune also like if they wouldn't have done the 2.5 percent thing I probably would have went to a throttle curve that would have had a little bit of a, you know, a slower uptake just so that I could have forced myself. Once you make that turn and you're going up the hill when you're full throttle and it likes in second gear, the BMW likes to step sideways. Right. It pretty much gets rid of that. So that was an, an option that obviously a nicer pedal set could have brought you. So, so, so but on the, the, go ahead. What's the, um, back to the braking for a minute. Uh, so you're, yeah. Obviously, trail braking is is a big deal here, especially into Forest Elbow. Um, how difficult is trail braking with such a heavy pedal set? Like you mentioned, over two hours. Like you said, a lot of it is just you know slight hits. But I mean, going into Forest Elbow, you're on those things, and I mean, I've got the the Fanatic Club Sport V threes or whatever, and I'm probably between twenty five and fifty for. Uh, I'm going to guess three or four seconds. I mean, in over, over two hours, that's got to take a toll on your, on your calf muscles at least. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at the, <laughs> the, I forget what the value is. I think it's a hundred and I think it's capable of 165 kilograms. Is it kilograms? I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, it's a yep. ton of force. Like it is an absolute ridiculous amount of force. We were talking about this. Um, but you know what? About 50%. So the idea behind the pedals are is basically your first little bit after that, that initial pad feel you have kind of like a, a soft part, right. As everything starts to clamp down and then you hit a brick wall. Right. And that's at about, I have my brick wall set at about, I don't know, say 60%. The reason I do that is because as I go through, I can kind of fade a little bit. And as soon as I hit about 60, I know I'm getting close to my ABS situation. So it helps slow me down, but then it also makes me kind of use that extra little bit of force to for finite feel. So really, as long as I'm not in super heavy braking zones all the time, it's not too terribly different than say, um, maybe like the, uh, Husenfeld ultimates or, or, or the sprints if you had them set up heavy. So, yeah. So, uh, onto the ACE attack here thing here. Yeah. Um, I know you wanted to talk about this tonight. Like I said, I, I researched them a little bit. Obviously, a computer company uh, getting into well, a you know, when I say computer company, fans, uh, cooling cases, cooling, all yeah. that stuff, getting into the sim sim world. Now they're having some logistic issues, from what it sounds yes. like, and from from what you've uh, from what you've told me. So, um, you know, I think any company. I would expect I would have expected this in 2020, right? I mean, even Fanatec and 
logic. I mean, all of these guys were having shipping issues in 2020, but man, it's 2023. Is that just due to the absolute demand that Ace Tech has, or do you think there's there's a bigger issue there? Oh, well, <laughs> okay. So this is kind of like round two for Ace Tech. So round one was the Invictus when they put the Invictus out and people went on pre-orders and I'll get to that in a minute, how that went. And then this would be round two. There were some other kind of launches in between, like the lower level tiers, like the Forte. And I think, I forget, I think La Prima is the one that they're coming out with. But those are like your different tiers down. So there wasn't as huge of a demand on the, on the lower tiers initially. So I think they were okay with that. So then now they're putting out the wheelbases, um, <clears throat> which seem to be a cool product. It's basically a midge motor. I think like every, like the vast majority of them are midges. I forget what the other one is called. Um, but midge is making them, I, I presume. And the kind of the cool thing is the software is supposed to be a little bit unique, but they bought basically a lot of the, the proprietary stuff off of Sim, uh, Simicube or sorry. Yeah. Is that right? I don't know. I'm, Simicube, I, I think that's right. uh, I, I would assume it's Simicube VRS or Fanatic. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's going to be one of those. So, Anyways, they 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 bought that direct drive system basically off of them, like a lot of the the, the software stuff. So I think they're going to be on par pretty quick or close to what uh, is already put out there with the Simicube Pro. But oh, in the wheel, that's another cool design. So instead of doing the wireless, the wheel is has like connectors on the back, and you just pop it on like a normal. It's kind of it's a really awesome quick quick disconnect system. But the coolest part about it is it won't be proprietary. So other companies that make steering wheels will be able to put their wheel on to the Asetech hub or the Asetech wheelbase and use it. So you could buy Asetech's new wheel or you could buy, say, I don't know whose wheel. You could pick any one of the pretty cool one out there like Precision or, or Gomez or something like that or VPG. You could have their wheel and plop it on there and all the lights and all the information will function exactly as it should. So that is pretty cool. The issue all comes about is I waited around for the Evictus <laughs> for, I don't know how long, right? Because what they do, these companies do, and I'm not, I'm not trying to bag on them too bad here, but I would rather, you know, under promise and over give, right? Exactly. So to speak, the other way around, but they're not on that page. I don't feel like. So what happens is we keep putting out these like, Oh, it should be this as long as there's not delays in this. Well, I don't want to hear that because when you keep cascading time and time again, and now I think the first round we were like two and a half months late on getting orders out in the first place. Now we're on this round two with the 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 wheelbases, and I think they're already two and a half months behind or something. And it's funny because it's always the same thing. They were at the big expo and he said, Oh yeah, it should be coming out January. Or I think it was right before Christmas or just after, but I don't want you to get your hopes up because supply chain things. Right. And lo and behold, the next day it was delayed a month. Yeah. Right. So, and we keep going down this, kind of like thing. I feel like if you listen to their discords too, it's like almost the carrot in front of the donkey thing. Yep. Now I'm not saying this is in their control in the sense of, of maybe that is true, but why not then under promise and say, listen, instead of quarter one, we think it'll be, it'll be available in quarter two, knowing that you probably will get it done in quarter one, but 
we just want to cover our bases. I just feel like it turns people off. And honestly, that's the reason I didn't stick around. I was, I was willing to basically have a, a full, uh, you know, ecosystem with Ace Attack, like you would with Fanatech, uh, with all the Invicta stuff. Uh, but circumstances arose. A friend of mine needed a little bit of help, and I, I didn't want to wait anymore. So the combination of the two made it pretty easy for me to decide. That- and I just went and... And and got the simic cube and didn't even. Is that friend of yours sitting here in this podcast right now? I think right. I feel like I know that guy. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I, uh, yeah. How how? I apologize. Uh, The dog barking. We just had a knock on the door. Um, (laughs) sorry, it's the SMB mascot back there, guys. But uh, how does that? How does it feel, man? Like, what what's the difference? Could you tell a massive difference? We had this conversation a little bit. Uh, Eric on the last podcast about you know the difference between you know lessons and equipment and practice and all of this stuff did it make a difference in your times or did it just make you feel more confident oh man so okay originally I had a uh, Thrustmaster T300 and well before that I had the uh, Logitech T27 but uh, most recently the Thrustmaster T300 and you know, that was pretty good for me. I enjoyed that. And I felt like I was pretty fast driving on that. And um, yeah, g- coming from that, it, the big thing was that wheel was starting to fail me. So like I, I would be driving and every once in a while, like going through the lap, it would feel really good. And then all of a sudden the force feedback would just kind of like cut out and it would be like half half feedback. So it was bad to begin with. So that was that was one thing. But um, yeah, going from that to the uh, direct drive wheel, it was incredible for me because I'm more of like a, a field driver. Like, it's good to have like breaking points and stuff for me, but it's more like the inertia and like seeing things come up. Like, I more react. And having something like that where I can feel more what the car is doing was huge for me because I could, I could actually feel like the tires rolling over in the wheel. I could feel like the more like a, like a realistic force of the car fighting back against me right? Uh, with that wheel. And it was incredible being able to actually have that in a way where, okay, now my brain thinks I'm driving this car, right? Like, right. Sure. Like it's a lot more force than you'll feel in a real car, but it's because it's translating what the game is trying to tell you in a way that only, you know, you can only get from the wheel. Like they, they can't all. get the forces anywhere else, so they're trying to translate right. that to the wheel, and it does such a good job. So, so when I, obviously, I had this conversation. I think I was sitting in the studio chat a couple nights ago, um, and I, 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 it was a night and day difference when I went from what I had to this fanatic DD one wheelbase, and for the first time, uh, this week running at Mount Panorama, it was insane. I, I had to turn it down a little bit because the forces coming through that direct drive wheel to my hands, feeling that suspension unload and reload, especially coming down the hill. It was just, it was too much. Like it, I know I understand. I think because we're in a sim, right? Like you would never feel, you'd feel it in the wheel. You'd obviously, if most of us, all of us have done dumb shit in our vehicles, right? Tried to ramp a car or something like that over a hill down a fucking back road or something. And you'll feel 
when you come over the top of that hill, the steering gets lighter and you're thinking, oh shit, right? Like, but it doesn't just completely, it never really completely goes away unless you get all four tires off the ground, which I never have. Um, I've gotten two off the ground, but I've never gotten all four. But, um, you know, in the game, it like you said, it's trying to transmit those forces, trying to get, you know, get you to feel more, more immersion because you can't feel the G forces. You can't, you can't feel yourself lifting out of the seat. You can't feel yourself, you know, getting pushed into the, into the side of the door or getting shoved into the center console or something like that. So I can understand where that comes from, but at the same time, you gotta be careful with these direct drive wheels, man, because they will throw a shitload of force through you. I remember I was running a dirt oval. I just gotten it. And I had that the freaking force turned up so high, man. Like it, I barely had to move the wheel. It was butter until I hit the wall. And it flung like buttons came flying off the fucking steering wheel, man. And it was like, it was crazy. And it's, it's wild to think of how far technology has come, right? Like I'm going to talk to Eric. I don't Eric. How old are you? I'm 33. Okay. So you're about my age, Bradley. Bradley, what did was was a sim even around, or was there any type of like racing wheels when you were younger to be able to play on, or was it just like a game controller, you know, at that time? Wow, you know, um, I think was it. I think we had ColecoVision. I think that's what it was, and I think it had a little wheel, but it, you know, it was just like a <laughs> controller almost. Yeah, dude. I, no, dude, that was not around, dude. Atari did not have that, right? Then, yeah, what, that's Nintendo? true. Nintendo, yeah. come on, bro. No, it was. Although we did have Duck Hunt, which is cool, oh, that was right? that was some fun sure. shit, man. I remember playing that back in the day, dude. Yeah, that was but no, no. I mean, there was. I think, I think the 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 closest you could get is if you went to uh, the arcade and then you did what was the what was it California something? I drove oh, Thunder USA. Yeah, yeah, Cruising that USA. one. Yep, yep, yep. Um, that was a solid game. <laughs> but uh, Bradley, I don't know if you got any more Ace Attack you want to talk about here. I know we've got we need to get to the F1 car reveals before the break. So Jake, I'm gonna let you get your screen pulled up because I don't think any of us except Jake have seen the car reveals yet. Uh, I have we it. were waiting. We were waiting for this podcast. But while Jake gets that pulled up, guys, um, we were just talking about Bathurst, right? So I'm going to hop in here into my XSLR general chat real quick. And um, Justin Barrera, obviously, we were talking about him. He was running the first session, right? Um, Justin Barrera said, hey, Jake, Ham, I see you guys. And that was that's another guy in our league. Jake said, hell yeah, we're going to be doing the next session, next session struggle bus over here. Uh, Justin asked what happened. Jake said, first driver looped it a couple times. We got some good damage. And then... He said, oh, you also called caused that big pile up. That was Justin talking to Jake. He's like, oh, hell yeah. Barrera said, yeah, that one cost me six laps. <laughs> so uh, long story short, Barrera said, yeah, we're done for tonight. Driver related issues. And uh, he's going to be back at it tomorrow morning for Sudi. So that just goes to show you how quick that can happen, man. I mean, th there were only three hours into the race at this point. Not even two hours. I mean, I don't want anything negative to happen, but I'm glad he's going to get some rest tonight. So right. he'll be ready to go in the morning. Hell yeah, man. But yeah, he said he started from the pitch to try to stay out of it, but still managed to get wasted. And that's what we were just talking about, man. You start from the pits at Mount Panorama. That doesn't mean you're safe. I think it puts no. you in a worse position. 
if you aren't super careful about staying super far behind. And the other thing, though, and I don't really know what went on, so I don't want to I don't want to blast everybody, but I guess maybe he didn't have a spotter either. So he wasn't even sure what he, he, he heard there was a spin in front of him and he, it said something about going left or right. And he went, he went that way, but unfortunately, you know, it's, it's pinball. So there's nowhere really to go anyway. So, right. No, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, there is key. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even if you did have a spotter, right, that would be, uh, you know, the most difficult, uh, difficult spot. Uh, I'm sorry. I could see, I could see myself about 5 million times right now, uh, in here in the podcast. Oh, there we go. And I'm loving the slideshow, but, uh, even if you do have a spotter, Bradley, you were spotting me the other night and you were kind of telling me, you're like, Hey man, go this way, go this way. But until you know, until you get there, first of all, really sometimes, like I, I've wasted somebody, or I wasted myself coming out of Forest Elbow a couple times this week. You've got nowhere to go. I mean, if yeah. you're coming out of there, there's no way you're avoiding a car that spun there. Not a chance. Yeah. No, that's that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you hope you hope as a spotter you can give the best information, you know, to help. But even then, you're you're right because we, we, there's nothing you can do about. Hey, he's going across the track to the right. You should go to the left. Oh, bang! He's off of the right wall. Oh, by the way, you need to go to the right now, right? Like, mm. there's just it's impossible to keep up with the speed. And then somebody's pummeling that guy, and that guy oh, yeah. he just gets out of hand. Yeah, all right, horrible. I I think that's enough for uh, about Bathurst talk. Enough we're all sadness. Just, yeah, yeah. Sadness. We're all gonna get we're all gonna get <laughs> fucked anyways, probably. But uh, yeah. anyways, the best of luck. Sure. <laughs> Thanks, but you gonna spot us? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there spotting for sure. But all hey, right. can you do it in the morning and help him out, uh, help Juicy out? I know we're doing business on here, but <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> we can do that. There we go. All right, beautiful. We'll talk after this. <clears throat> Sounds good, man. All right, Jake. So let's get this uh, let's get this screen share up. Let's see some of these liveries that are probably gonna look the exact same way. There we go. That's a terrible, terrible meme. Uh, you like that? Yeah. What happened? Nico Hulkenberg F word. F1 team liveries. Yeah, welcome to my scuffed presentation. Uh, I also (laughs) put, uh, if you guys look in the chat, I put links as I'm going through. Those are in order of the teams who have revealed their liveries. Um, So if you guys want to take a look for anything extra, except for the Red Bull, because there's no surprise. It's uh, the same. Nothing else else to see. Uh, Yeah, so. All right, let's go. I'm going to take a look at the Haas. Tell you. They they have a little spin sign now. For Nikita Mazepin to honor him not racing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I like it. It looks a little different. I'm liking the black and red here. Um, Why don't we have a talk real quick about these crypto sponsors that I thought most teams were going away from? I see a gigantic MoneyGram logo on their airbox. Is MoneyGram crypto? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what MoneyGram is a company, but I wanna I wanna understand that they they dabbled more in lending, and had like options for crypto, and not mm-hmm. so much a crypto company. So it kind of makes sense in this space where crypto companies are starting to kind of pull out, and you know they're doing you know pretty good still because lending is still at an all time high. So sure. they they probably do have the money to step in and grab a cheap sponsorship of a of a car especially a title sponsorship 
Which well, yeah, I mean, especially Haas too. It's I'm surprised yeah. they've got as many sponsors as they did. They were starting to look like McLaren there for a little while, and McLaren only had like two sponsors on their car the whole season, and it was just an orange car. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm liking this livery. I I know they kind of they said they were going to try to get away from the Russian colors a little bit because of everything that was going down. Obviously, we all know the Nikita Mazepin uh, drama that happened with Haas. And they can't mm-hmm. seem to stay out of it. That's not what they needed. Uh, already running in the back and then having to deal with all that stuff. But nothing yeah, to compare it against. The water at Do the beginning of last year in testing when that happened. I was like, oh, they're done. Are they even yeah. going to stay a team? Do they have the funding? And then, you know, yeah. lo and behold, their car was actually really good for. It was. Yeah. Uh, but they just obviously don't have the budget to continue developing during the season. So obviously that trailed off as the other team started developing their cars um well i'm like i I think it's different it's a good departure from i think what we're about to see here with the rest of these cars that probably aren't going to look that different but um i I think this is an overall improvement from last year yeah i don't know i think the money room's stupid but yeah i mean i'm not saying it's bad i'm just it doesn't excite me by any means it's just sure eh. Also, big news, obviously, Nico Hulkenberg mm-hmm. returning. Yep. Uh, I Expectations, I don't expect I, him doing too, too well. I think maybe on raw pace, even Magnuson's better, but at least they'll have a driver who hopefully doesn't crash the car every other race. That's actually uh, the Ace Attack guy. Uh, that, that's who uh, is their kind of, their driver for Ace Attack is uh, Magnuson. Oh, really? Yeah, he does testing for him and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I can see Nico. So so here, let's have a talk, chat about these drivers real quick, right? Kevin Magnuson's been around for quite a while. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg's been in and out and in and out. I just think he's made bad business deals because Nico Hulkenberg is actually quick. He's a fast driver. Very but fast. we can we can have this same argument with Daniel Ricardo, right? Daniel Ricardo just made bad business deals, trying to get himself into a winning car, and he did the same exact thing that Fernando Alonso's doing. Obviously, Fernando Alonso was in a in a winning car. The Ferrari started trailing off. He decided to go somewhere else. And then it was just he could never get back, you know, back to where he was. And that's what worries me about some of these drivers, Nico Hulkenberg, especially, who's done that. And he's coming back into the sport now. And he's in a fucking hoss, man. At that point, I now listen, I don't know. Maybe things could change over the winter. But I can't see Haas going from 12th, 13th on the grid to battling a Red Bull, a Ferrari, or a Mercedes. I well, just sure, probably not. And they probably aren't battling for fourth or fifth either, but just yeah. saying. I agree. Yeah. But you know what? Having having good drivers who actually keep the car on the track and you know a good title sponsor who's solid and not going to bail out on them in the middle of the season is a good start. And that might get them in a good you know, momentum where they can actually like start battling for, I don't know, like seventh or eighth, you know, yeah. they, get, they start moving up. Was it? Well, so we don't know how much money they spent last year developing this car again. They might be trying to do a similar thing. I mean, I would, I wouldn't rule out them having a really good start again, like they did last year and then doing the same thing when they trail off, maybe with a bit better momentum this time. But well, yeah, I think they had just basically what happened last year i think everybody was taking a stab in the dark on how to get the car right because 
nobody really had any data. It was the first time with the brand new car, underbody downforce coming back in. Um, all of this stuff. Mercedes got it completely fucking wrong. Haas Pardon. got it right. Red Bull got it right. But all of those other teams in between, but you can tell you can tell where the money is in the sport as the season progresses, right? So you had Haas who got it right, but they didn't develop their car over the season. Red Bull got it right and they continued to develop the car and got quicker and quicker. Mercedes got it wrong. By the end of the season, they were up there battling for wins. So that just goes you can tell where the money is in the sport. And that's what fucking sucks. Even with the budget caps that they're enforcing or they're going to start enforcing. I don't think it's going to do anything clearly. (laughs) Well, yeah, clearly Red Bull didn't get in trouble for all the fucking buffets. They, they had right. Quote unquote. Uh, So it's Uh, just, it's one of those things. Like if you're the FIA, you can't, it's a slippery slope, right? It's a lot easier to penalize these teams that aren't giving you as much money. Yeah, this is the thing that will at least make it exciting is that teams in the back like Haas do get a lot more arrow, arrow time, wind tunnel time. So, that, you know, we'll see. You guys All wanna... right, next one. Let's see it. Yeah. All righty. This was probably the most scuffed formatting I can get on a slide. But, yeah, we have the, the Control-C, Control-V as usual. Uh, I feel like okay. every year uh, Red Bull's livery just gets worse. It's the same but gets worse somehow. Um, I feel like... It gets messier and a worse design with just more sponsors that are all. Yeah, we can go ahead and move on. Fuck yeah, yeah, Red Bull. Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Ended up pretty good. Honestly, it's terrible. That's. I mean, I give it. I give it mid mid tier, but uh, C tier, B tier. Whenever they revealed that that livery, whenever they revealed that livery back in 1990, Nam. I bet you it was really cool and everybody was raving about it, right? <laughs> Nowadays, it, it's just, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just a, it's a Red Bull. And maybe brand recognition, right? We all know that that's going to be a Red Bull driving around that track. That's true. true. HF. Yeah. I wish they, some of their liveries are better than what they did for um, Suzuka. The test liveries. This is, no, the Suzuka livery. Oh, when they made it Dang all was it. It white and blue? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Br- no, really it's white and red. Yeah, yep. I mean, if they did... Yeah. Honestly, with re- how Red Bull is, the money they have, I wish they'd be doing more more one-offs throughout the season because that sure. last one-off was gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. But, yeah, we'll move on. Williams, I give an overall improvement, but it's still... I'm not a big fan of this, like... Oh, okay. I am a, I'm a yeah. huge fan of that Williams paint job, man. One hundred percent. I've I love the Williams paint job. When it looked like a tube of Colgate toothpaste, I think that was the <laughs> lowest that William could go. Like Williams was losing their all of their management team. They had gone through a total change of direction, uh, getting all new ownership and all that stuff. New car, it's gotten faster. I think, and I've said this before, unpopular opinion. I believe the Williams is the best looking car on the grid. Ooh, hard disagree. Hmm. I I would I I think it's a good looking car. I mean, it looks good, but I mean, it didn't knock my socks off either. I, I agree. I think it looks really year. good. Let's 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 take a moment to appreciate Duracell and Williams' ingenuity in making the airbox look like a battery. Okay, I mean that's like, kind of cool. Yeah. That's that's so fucking cool, man. Yeah. I don't know, it looks a little. I'm entertained by crap like that, so I'll I'll bite. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, also big news. You have Logan Sargent, uh, 
who is American. We do. Yeah. Have an American I mean, I driver, that guys. Was, there was a big, I know there was a big uproar. I know Colton Hurdle was supposed to be, but he didn't get his super license points. Just another fucking scam that the FIA does uh, to, to try to get, to try to keep Americans out. And I'm kidding when I say that kind of, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously James Vowles uh, still in there, but yeah, Logan Sargent, hmm. he wasn't, my worry is James Vowles is new. No, he, he was there last season. They, no, they well, not as team principal. They had Yas Capito no. as team principal last season. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But my worry about Logan Sargent is he's going to be another Mick Schumacher, right? Mick Schumacher was average in F2, but he got pulled up because of his father's name. I think if they would have kept Mick Schumacher in F2 a little longer, he'd still we'd still be talking about Mick Schumacher in F1 right now. Okay. Logan Sargent was average. He won a race or two in F2, but he wasn't anywhere close. I think Felipe Drogovic just fucking ran away with the championship in F2. So, I mean, I'm I'm just worried that Logan Sargent's going to be another one of those drivers. We're going to see him on the grid for two years, and and that'll be it. Could be, but at least it's not Scott Speed. So Maybe that's the purpose. That. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I mean, they don't want to pay him the big dollars, and they told him, like, look, you're, you're a second-tier prospect, so I'm paying you second-tier money, and you're going to be gone in two years. Drive your heart out, son. This is your only chance to prove yourself. That's true. That's true. I, mean, I don't know how that goes. I would take that but, deal. I, mean, that, I would if be that's a like way that. I might approach it. I mean, they're definitely doing it for funding. I'm sure he's paying um, good money. Yeah, for so, sure. yeah, you have that. Also, but also, big drama. I think James Vowles, was he not uh, part of Mercedes before this year, I believe? Yes. That's correct. So, yeah, there's there's some people who are not accusing, but like postulating that we could be getting Williams really being the junior team for for Mercedes for the time being. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, he's doing that. I'll bring up the next one. We'll talk about it, and then we'll see what he has right. to say. This is by far the best one. Uh, Alfa Romeo Sauber knows how to make a livery. Okay. End point. Always my favorite. It was my favorite last year. Gorgeous last year. Gorgeous this year. Ooh, very nice. I like that. And they don't have a team principal, by the way. <laughs> they actually, they actually, their you, their management structure. They do not have a team principal. Since team principal left. is Botas. Guys, yeah, I know basically. what you. Uh, I know you guys can't see what we're we're seeing right now if you're listening to the podcast, but. Uh, the, the slide that Jake has put together for us here says Alpha, Big Dick, Energy, Romero, Romeo, excuse me. And uh, the team principal says, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> they so don't need just, one. Yeah. Uh, well, they don't, but it'd be better if they did. And I'm sure they're going to get that ironed out before the, the beginning of the season. But it does it kind of worry you that they still haven't figured that out yet? No, they're not going to have one this year, apparently. They're at yeah. least they, they said their management structure, they're is not going to need one, which yeah, okay. is an interesting take. It could be a move forward in terms of how they organize themselves, or maybe it's really bad as they just saying, you know, fuck it until they get, you know, uh, taken over by, uh, why am I blanking? Audi? Ferrari or Audi. Audi. Yeah. Yeah, Audi. Yeah, on Audi in 2026. So it's either going to be a move forward for them or a move back. In terms of that, they did a really great job this past year. Not a huge fan of the livery, man. Really? It's the best one on the grid. What do that you mean? Great. 
I don't. So just the way that the red and the black kind of works together, um, I just, yeah, it it, just, it it almost seems like it's forced, like they forced that black over the intakes, uh, or over the the side pods to make sure that that steak logo stands out, and that's just that's not. It just doesn't look. It it doesn't run along with the body lines. I mean. It just just take away everything else for a minute, right? Everything on the nose, the red, the black works together all the way up until you get to the side pods and you've got this big, ugly black patch that just cuts back to red halfway back. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not really over impressed by this one either, to be honest. So, yeah. Eh. Out of the four so far, my favorite, but this is why this is why F1 fans can never get along if you like different teams because we argue about the most ridiculous shit about how good a paint livery looks. <laughs> it also, you got to look, look good doing it, bro. Or why do it? Exactly. Also, noticed, you know, Orlin, O-R-L-E-N, they're a yes. sponsor for Sauber, right? Not anymore. Uh, it's Alpha yep. Towery sponsor now. Uh, they, Alpha Towery released not their car yet because it's tomorrow but they did release a picture of their lineup obviously yuki and um uh devries and with their new suits on and you saw that orland logo on there and red so maybe that's gonna be incorporated into the livery and have a little bit of a change up on the accent colors hmm. interesting i would enjoy that okay that's it those are the four so far that's it. Yeah, That's we have it. until the throughout the next rest of the month. I do have this. There's a schedule too. I could pull up on what we're looking at for. Well, while we're while we're talking about F1, we'll make this quick. We're 55. We we're terrible at this, guys. By the way, <laughs> trying to get trying to get podcast segments to be short. We're 53 minutes into this right now. Um, Ford coming in back in 2026, obviously. They're very smart move by them waiting for the new engine regs. All of these F1 teams right now, manufacturers have had a year jump. So, you know, Ford coming in right now is not going to be good. But my question to you would be, I know they said Ford's coming back, but do you expect them to come back as a team and enter a car? Or do you expect them to come back as an engine manufacturer only? Engine manufacturer. Yeah. I agree. I think they're going to be an engine manufacturer and uh, they'll come back. Probably, I think, what they announced with Red Bull, right? Yeah, they did. They actually did. So, obviously, the announcement came out that Ford was coming back. Then, a couple of days later, they said they're partnering with Red Bull, which, uh, kind of a weird move on Red Bull's part, I would say. Uh, we know the last time they switched and engine manufacturers, how well that worked out for them for a couple seasons till they could get it all worked out again, obviously from Renault to Honda and now Honda's no, leaving them in character. So uh, they like picking bad reliability. So it's in character. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, found on road dead. It is what well, it is, but uh, same time though, when Ford was in formula one previously before they left, they were one of the most winningest teams out there. Yeah. Cosworth. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be interesting if they if they bring that same kind of performance they used to have, you know, it, it would be really interesting to see another another engine manufacturer really hitting above the belt where yep. some of the other, you know, engines out there aren't performing as well. 
looking at the Ferrari, you know, doesn't have a lot of reliability. And if the Ford and comes it's not out there good. swinging, that's the, yeah, right. You know, so if the Ford comes out swinging, you know, it'd be really interesting to see these other teams who, you know, maybe bet on the Ford if, if, if more than just Red Bull, you know, actually really be competitive. And now all of a sudden we have more, more competition. I think it'd be really awesome for the sport. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we are now 55 minutes into this. We're going to take a quick break and uh, come back on the other side of the break. We're going to talk about uh, some some spicy things, some cheating and eye racing. I know we needed to hit on that. And uh, also broadcaster side a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, hopefully short talk, but I have a feeling it won't be. We'll catch you guys here on the other side. Don't go anywhere. More of the Slow Motion Podcast coming up. The Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network is a weekly destination for motorsport fans with a range of shows that cover sim racing to real racing created by and for those passionate about this sport. The Into the Apex Podcast closes the week with a hangout a regular go-to for the sim racing and motorsport community with road shows year-round at select motorsport circuits. The Slow Motion Podcast brings broadcaster Adam Thompson and a range of sim racers together for a deep dive into all things sim racing. The End of the Paddock Podcast covers all real motorsport, wrapping up the weekend action and setting the stage for the next. Our shows and hosts are uncensored. They can say what they think. This is Provocative Motorsport Talk. Thank you for being a part of the crew. This, this is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast, Podcast Network. Network. Okay, guys, we're back on the other side of the break here. Um, we, we've, we've hit on this a couple times, but we haven't actually dedicated uh, a serious amount of time to it. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to co- talk about cheating um, when it comes to iRacing. And cheating in iRacing can be a, du- a bunch of different things. Uh, it can be doing what Williams Esports did at Daytona when knowingly they were wrong um, and they did it anyways, got DSQ'd. Uh, got banned indefinitely, things like that. Or it could be using some type of third-party software. I know they're out there, or they have been. Uh, No matter what anti-cheat you use, you can still get around it. Uh, I broadcast a league that has gotten a little bit upset about their number one driver, thinking that he's using some type of third-party software in the Mustang for the way that it shifts up and down. Um so cheating can be a bunch of different things, but Bradley, this was your topic. Uh, you wanted to talk about it, and I know you've got some things to say. So let's hear it. Yeah, actually, I was just—it's kind of funny. We really didn't go too far into it because I don't—I don't think it really. I know people remember the the grass thing and all the micro flicking, right? That was going on there for a little bit. We called it, but the the micro braking and the micro flicking of the wheel to warm up your tires and all this other stuff and. Then people complain about people, I don't know, using their brakes to warm up, which is, that's normal. 
I don't know why that's even an argument, but whatever. And and then here we have the Williams esports thing. And, and, you know, I just looked at it as a high level thing. People complain, you know, just doing dumb crap because they're being competitive. But the thing that got me, I'm not going to say the league, but in one of the league chats, um, in the league I'm in before this race that we, we recently did, somebody brought up that you can leave the pits in Daytona and it, right when you leave the pit stall area, you just cut to the left and you, you know how it loops around and there's the wall over here. Right. And then it goes out on the circuit. So basically they're saying, if you just drive through that, you don't go follow the paint and you just drive straight through that you can gain like a half a second. It gives you a one and a half second penalty for speed or for, for cutting it, but it's instantly removed before you leave because you're not traveling fast enough, right? For it to be a normal one and a half seconds of whatever you want to call it, penalizing time. So it's clear, like you, you, it's cleared by the time you leave the pits, no penalty basically. So it was crazy because I guess the part that they, a who thinks of this crap, right. Or who does it, I guess, but B they asked if it would, what is the ruling on that? And the response was basically like by the league. And I, I'm not, I'm not saying what they they did was wrong, but they said, we're going to use iRacing's in game penalties. That's so that's bullshit, man. Right. So, yeah, let me get to that because because it goes further because the part that bothered me, if that's the decision they're going to make, that's fine. And I don't have beef with it. I disagree with it personally. I think that that's the point of a league is to be able to cut that crap out and say no. And, you know, if iRacing does it, I was going to bring up the sporting code, but the basic idea is if you're using surfaces to your advantage that you're not supposed to be, then you, you, you could be penalized. So I, I feel like it only makes sense. However, it it just the conversation degraded after that because immediately the person said, "Well, I just want to know because I know it's going to happen, and if one person does it, everybody's going to do it." Well, it's like, going to happen because you said something. Well, right. Number one, you brought it to some people's attention, right? Which I don't think most people even knew nor care, right? Number two, you're. You're basically saying I'm a lemming, so I'm going to follow all the other lemmings because I know that I can't deciding what's right and wrong in my heart certainly isn't enough, right? You know, so I I want to make sure everybody else wants to cheat like I do. That's what I got out of it, right? And then if you kind of listen to the conversation devolve, it was just kind of getting a little weird. I don't know. And somebody put a good meme up there with just said like morals and integrity you know, basically like get them. And I, I agree. I, I'm just, I think that the, my issue is there are going to be people who cheat in the officials. I know that I get it. There's always going to be people who find a way. I got it. It, it, if you're cheating at a, at a two and a half K level, then fine. Who Nobody cares. Go have fun because you're going to get up to a level like five and you can't drive anyways. And eventually it's not going to work for you. But the part that bothers me is in a league. In a league, you shouldn't even have to ask the question on whether cheating is okay or not. Or you have to even question whether it is cheating or not. It makes you wonder where we are going with this whole cheating thing. I wasn't on the bandwagon talking about it, but that really just kind of set me over the edge. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to Williams and what they did at Daytona. That that was a bit. Uh, I was torn, right? Like I, I was in the Into the Apex podcast, and I got fired up about it. Now, and, and I and I basically said, "Listen, this wasn't an official." Williams went to iRacing, and iRacing was like, "Yeah, don't do that." But I'm kind of in that league's boat when I say this iRacing didn't do anything about it. They waited until after all of the official 24s to come out with the hot fix that Bradley, you found out about when you were running yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday. Why did it take that long? And we had this conversation last week. Why did it take that long for iRacing to come out with that hot, hot fix? People are always going to cheat. That's what motorsport is. It's cheating and getting away with it. You're eventually going to get caught. That's just how motorsport goes. That's how any sport goes, right? But iRacing knew about this exploit. They knew, and they did nothing about it, and they allowed this Daytona, this virtual Daytona 24 to run, where people have invested countless amounts of time and effort into running just for something like that to happen. And it's the same that happens with league races. People invest countless amounts of time and effort into getting their paints right, into getting their lines right, into making sure everything is perfect so they go in prepared. And then an exploit comes out, and it's basically like, oh, yeah, we're going to follow the sporting code. Well, first of all, the fucking sporting code is fucking worthless, man. Like, there are so many loopholes in that sporting code, it's ridiculous iRacing, I believe iRacing needs to do something about this. It needs to be brought to iRacing's attention. And if there is one big gripe that I have about iRacing is they need to do something about it. This is their software. They can fix the cheaters. And they did it at Daytona, but they did it a week too late. Do it when it's brought to your attention. I guarantee you they knew about that Daytona cheat that you were talking about. But until it gets blown up, nothing's going to change. You're right. You're absolutely right. I, yeah, it's it's frustrating, man. I I don't know. I I guess I guess the part is is just when it starts infiltrating down at the lower levels. This is when it really gets frustrating to me because you you just think that you know we're a bunch of guys that are and girls obviously that are out here just doing doing our thing. This is our way to get our competition in. This is our way to you know love motorsports a little bit. Uh, you know that's a little bit more affordable than actually doing it. You know, it's a cool thing to be able to do in your home. It's a great pastime. I love it. It's a lot of fun, and I love getting the blood pumping. I, I love the fact that my my Whoop watch kicks on every time and, and thinks it's an athletic thing, right? Like, it's like, oh, you were doing, you know, an athletic thing for the last 40 minutes. And you're like, what? And then you look, and your heart rate has been up. You're, you're pushing the pedal. You're doing things, right? It's all really cool stuff. And then to have something so silly be asked at a level like that, it's just like, oh, man, is that where we're at? I don't know. I, I just hope that's not true. I hope that's not true. So <clears throat> I guess I'll I'll pose this question to you, Bradley, and then go around the room with everybody else's thoughts because you and I have been kind of taking this floor right now. Do you think this is iRacing's problem or do you think this is a personal issue? Like integrity, I'm in the Air Force. Integrity, for, integrity first, right? That's one of our three core values. 
Integrity first. Yes, I'm always going to have integrity. I'm not going to willingly cheat because that just takes the sport out of motorsport, right? Then it's just, okay, well, yeah, I know I'm going to win this. This is going to be fucking fun because I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm like, I, I don't know. So I believe, I, I believe like personally on the integrity side, that's stupid to even try to stoop to that level to get a win. But I, I'm, st- I still side like morally, like 60, 40 that I racing it's, it's, this all falls on I racing for allowing this to happen in their sim. <sighs> yeah. You know, man, I, I, yeah, because I think we have to kind of just, I think we like to say racing is cheating, cheating, racing, all that other good stuff. But the reality of it is, is it a lot of it's just reading between the lines, right? Is what we're, what they're talking about. When we talk about like maybe, you know, some regulating plate on something, right? Can be no more than X amount. And they say, that's all they say. They don't say where it's measured from or something like that. There's, there's all these different ways to kind of see how you can play in the rule book. And people call that cheating. Now, I would say that's just getting tactical advantage off of people's shitty writing of the rules. You can't blame somebody for going, well, that's not what you said. This is what it says. Well, we expected people. No, 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 no. That's what you said, right? So I don't, I'm not a big fan of saying that's cheating. Now, there are plenty that are out there cheating. All of them are looking for an edge, and I understand that. But when it's something so simple as you know as a driver it's wrong to do it, just don't do it. So. The answer to your question is yes, it is both of those things. iRacing should certainly take care of it. And we're always going to have integrity problems out there, and it's probably not going to get any better in our lifetime. So with that being said, yes. You have to agree with that. I think it's also kind of both as well. I mean, everyone's going to be looking for their edge, right? You know, how, how can I be faster? What can I do to, to get first? What can I do to look better for my team? You know, whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, if a loophole exists, they will go for it. Right. Just like if a gap exists, they will go for it. So, uh, you know, I racing needs to tighten down on these loopholes for sure. Anytime there's a, an exploit, you absolutely need to fix that. Right. Like, uh, we are over the break. Adam asked me what I do for a living. And, uh, I, I'm a systems engineer for, um, computers basically. And, uh, I work for a financial services company we're very security minded and anytime we find uh you know any kind of a loophole we patch that right away right like why wouldn't you do that for a service that you know not only is it something that you don't intend to have as a result it ruins the fun of the people who are trying to use your service legitimately you know it it behooves them to fix it yet they don't so I think it's on iRacing. I think it's on whatever service you're using. But also, I totally agree with Brad as well. You know, the individual needs to try to win with their own merit and not through whatever tricks they can kind of come up with or, you know, loopholes they can find because you can't repeat that, you know? Like, sure, maybe you can get away with it once, but it's it's not going to happen time and time again because end of the day you're just finding you know small little tricks that don't exist in every track or every situation yeah for sure what say you jake 
Uh, yeah, so I guess constructing it from, like, the bottom up at the personal level, like, I think part of that competitive mentality is trying to find every edge that you can, but there is a line, right? I think... If I'm noticing going Literally. to bus up at Daytona, there's a part where I can clip just a little bit of extra grass or just run a little bit outside there and not get a 1x. Hell, I'll do it. Why not? I'm going to try and get that extra extra uh, exit speed. Am I going to go and run on the entire apron over my qualifying lap because iRacing decided that maybe we shouldn't give people 1x if they're trying to avoid wrecks? No. That's stupid. I'm also not competing at the highest split. So do I really... Can I really blame Williams Esport for doing it? I can say I personally wouldn't, but I'm also not in their position, right? Um, where I don't have sponsors, I have to appeal where, like, God forbid there's really not as much sponsorship in, like, uh, sim racing esports as there is elsewhere, so trying to fight for those results for sponsors can probably be a bit more brutal. I can't really blame them. Can I blame iRacing for, say, maybe we could have just put a 0x there? And validate qualifying laps, but still let people avoid wrecks. They could have done that. Um, I think, like, leagues. It's on the leagues to moderate. I think also on the personal level, if I'm in a league, do I want to cheat other people who are paying money, who have also agreed that we want a higher quality racing experience? No. That's stupid. Personal level. It's not fair to everyone else. And it's part of the league. People pay you money to try and crack down on things like this. The league should say, hey, don't do that. And if anyone sees anyone doing that, just send a report after the race. And we'll, you know, invalidate the session for them. Whatever. Uh, give them a DNF. I'm just a little confused on your point. Or not on your point, but to piggyback off that point. what I'm a little confused why iRacing doesn't provide live stewarding for the big, the, the top event, right? I mean, if, if you have the Max Verstappen type of crowd in that event, yeah, it's going to cost you some money. But, I mean, but seriously, it can't cost more than the, the bad press that you're going to get. I mean, I yeah. would think. I mean, people That's got good pretty press. worked up. What's that? That's good no, press. I think iRacing got, iRacing got publicized because of that. iRacing was like, oh, this. it wasn't like Rinsport when servers were crashing, right? Or not. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. R it wasn't uh, like R-Factor uh, when servers were crashing, right? I was thinking Rinsport because I'm thinking in my head this is where we're all going eventually. But um, it wasn't like our factor when servers were crashing and Max Verstappen put out a publicity. Basically, it wasn't a publicity stunt because he was pissed. Like Max yeah. Verstappen is a fucking competitor. It doesn't matter if it's on the sim or in real life. So yeah, that's bad publicity. But somebody exploiting track limits on what otherwise is a great sim, iRacing probably just sat back and was like, let's see where this goes because that's getting their name out there. People who haven't heard of iRacing that follows Williams Esports was like, oh shit, maybe I need to get iRacing now. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I guess. I, I think I, ultimately it's going to cause people to take iRacing less seriously. When you get yeah. actual competitors out there, if AC2 has a somewhat similar service for matchmaking, if... Rensport, I mean, if I think Rensport is coming out swinging as at some form of competitor, iRacing is going to need to crack down on this because people are going to have finally a choice, right? I know you have other sims out there like AC, Com Competizone, Competizone, whatever it's called. Uh, you have Gran Turismo, but they're not 
a direct competitor. They're a bit more arcadey, right? Direct competitors, they're going to have to force some some change <laughs> because they're not going to survive if they just keep doing you know shit like this when there's actual competition out there. Well, hang on, hang on, Jake. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter you with Formula One, the game, and tell me that you joined a multiplayer lobby and it wasn't a complete shit show every time you tried to run in Formula One, the game. But guess what? It still got an absolute shitload of players until EA Sports took it over and they fucking ran it into the ground. But I think, again, I'm going to go back to just because this doesn't look good for the people that are trying to actually sim race, iRacing is, is, in, the, is in the same boat as all of us, well, me right now. They're just looking for people, right? They're looking for people that want to race the sim. And if they can get their name out there, they don't give a fuck how good that race the, that racer is. Because once they're in there, if they get reported enough, then they can just be like, "Hey, we're gonna ban you for a week, and then and then you can come back." So so learn your lesson. But then they're hooked at that point, right? They've already gotten all the gear. Now they're gonna want to come back to iRacing. They just need to get people in the door. Man. I, I hope that's not true. I hope that good press is better than bad press in this situation. I feel like, or at least after this happened, why couldn't we, you know, maybe a response by iRacing be, hey, you know what? We we see you. All right. We see you. We get you. We agree that I was not right. This is what we're going to do to fix the situation immediately. And in the future, at any of these major events, I guarantee you, I mean, come on, how hard would it be to find even four volunteers who are going to be stewards for the one top event? Come on, it can't be that damn hard, right? I mean, these are a lot of people who love racing. You think you think one of the racing guys wouldn't be like, yeah, I'll do it, that's cool, right? Something like that. I, I just feel like they could easily come about this and just say, hey, listen, you know what we're going to do? We're going to live steward because people actually tune in to watch this and we want to present the best product that we possibly can. And it would be easy for them to say, our officials usually are not like this. However, that's why we have leagues set up. So you can come in and have these cool things and have it, you know, live stewarded and all that other stuff. I, I feel like there, there is a way to spin it and make it positive and, and helpful. But I, I just feel like right now, it's just kind of like, oh, you guys did bad. Don't do that again. And that was kind of it. And I feel like that was an opportunity missed. That's what, I, what I'm thinking. Yeah, I agree with you. Honestly, I, I, I think, I mean, I don't know if there's any wrong answer here, right? I think we're all kind of going towards the same path of the racing needs to be better. But at the same time, if you, again, I'm going to, I'm just, we're going to keep going in the circle, Bradley, if we don't stop eventually. I racing is a business, right? I mean, they need people or none of us are going to be able to race. So at what what is what's the what's the balance point here i mean we've all got these ideas but until you're in iRacing shoes you don't really know like where what you can do meanwhile they're over here battling all the critics already about the rain and about their fucking 20 year old graphic system like all of this stuff and now they've got on top of this the williams esports drama um 
you know, and Ren Sports coming, and Ren Sport coming. Like they've got all of these things that they're trying to battle while trying to fix their shit. Because again, we talked about this last podcast. They've got to do something. So I, I still fall back on the fact that maybe I I know actually Tim Cox said that iRacing knew about this exploit beforehand, but they allowed it to happen, and then the publicity came almost like iRacing was knowing it was coming. Now. On a league setting, that's a totally different scenario, man. Like we've all said, we don't do officials. We know we're going to do officials just to gain a little bit of I rating, gain some safety rating, just to show all your friends and show off a little bit, right? When you join a league race, even my league on Sunday nights with fucking nine goddamn drivers, 12 on a good night, I am competitive as fuck because I know that I'm racing around the guys that I talk shit with day after day, week after week. That is, those are the people that I want to beat because that means more to me than beating somebody from the fucking Philippines on a Wednesday night at 11 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? Iberia. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the detach or whatever, D E A T C A, whatever, whatever you want to call those guys. Holy crap. They're bad. But anyways, uh, that's that the league racing aspect. Let me let me pose you this question though, Bradley, because I am a league owner and I understand this part of it. There are people that come to us most weeks and be like, "Hey, like I know this this just really didn't seem right." Eventually, as a league owner, do you refer them to the iRacing rulebook which should be bulletproof, but it's not? Or do you write up your own rule book where basically you've got to go third party and have somebody do it for you because that rule book, first of all, nobody's going to fucking read it because it's going to be 200 pages long of all of the goddamn exploits. What do you do? Uh, yeah, I created my own rule book. I kind of didn't reinvent the wheel. I just kind of copied and pasted off of other people's in general. But yeah, I mean, when I ran a league, I, I, I absolutely created my own rule book, but said that if anything's missed, it's basically, you know, look at iRacing rule book. Exactly. So, we do the it, same exact thing in XSLR. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, that's all you can do. And, and it, I think the other thing too, and I think you've made mention of it before too, and, and that's kind of, this is my call out to people in leagues. Like if you're in a league and you don't like that somebody's driving like a tool and they do something stupid, then, well, if there is a way to report that, then you do that, right? That's, that's what the system's for. And I, I kind of, it kind of does. I, I am a big fan of getting over something that happened really quickly, but there's still a point to that. If, if some people don't even know that they'd even did something wrong, like, they don't even have an idea. And if you're not even reporting it, how do they learn from that? And personally, if I messed up your race, wreck them. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Personally, if I mess up your race, I would prefer you just go ahead and and get me penalized because sure. I already feel terrible and I deserve it. I mean, it is what it is. So I, I just, I find that interesting, but yeah, the league, the league penalty thing is always, uh, yeah, it's always a fun thing to deal with. Justin Barrera, Jake ham, Josh clog, Ray Lombardi and Jimmy Howitt. I am talking directly to you guys right now. Our last race, every single one of you guys came to me the league owner complaining, wondering why 
why this, why that? And my response to them, Bradley, was report it. I can't do anything until it gets reported. In our rules, it says we do not review the whole race because, first of all, that takes way too much fucking time, let's be honest. As a league owner, it takes a shitload of time, and then you've got admins arguing about every fucking little touch uh, that happens, right? What drivers need to do in leagues, say say what happened happened, right, in your race, Bradley. You need to report it, and then let it happen, let it go from there. Yeah, it sucks. Maybe you lose because of an exploit or something like that. But that's really where you learn the merit of these leagues, right? Like, I can understand the league side of it where they're like, uh, well, just please don't do that. Let's refer you back to the iRacing rulebook or whatever. Now, if they do it in the race and it doesn't get reported, forget about it. Like, it doesn't matter. We're just going to move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. It, I don't know what the answer is. I think other than you have to rule with an iron fist to a certain degree uh, when you are a a league person, but you also have to have a balance of listening to other people too. You know, it's like the rules are steadfast and you must follow them. And if you do not, you will be penalized. But you guys have to report them to me so that I could at least make that happen. Right. You know, one thing that I noted that, and Eric can attest to this, uh, when I ran the league uh, that I did for a little bit, I was very strict about the rules, very, very strict about the rules and penalizing people if people reported people. And I, the first person I penalized was myself in the season because I was wrong and I knew I was wrong. And the person didn't even report me, but I didn't care. I, because I, I know they wouldn't report me because I'm the damn admin. Why, why would they, right? So I, I just gave myself a penalty. And I never had one complaint that whole season. Not one complaint. Matter of fact, I had more people self-penalize than actually request other people be penalized because they felt bad for making the contact on the track because we actually held each other accountable for it. I'm going to stop you right there, Bradley, and tell you the only incident that I've been involved in in XSLR this season, I reported myself and then the other admins gave me a penalty. That's the only one. And that's the other thing that people need to understand about leagues. If you're in a good one with integrity, then it'll be okay if you report an admin. Admins are just there. They're the ones that set the league up. They're the ones that get everything running. They're the ones that make tr try to make the racing fun and enjoyable, right? Yeah. Don't be scared to report an admin because the admins are most of the time, if they're decent human beings, more difficult and more tough on themselves than they are on the other people. Yep, for sure. And, and for it sure. just is what it is. Yeah. Can I get one? Anybody uh, else well, have anything to say about this subject real quick? Jake, I think, I think I heard you about to talk. Yeah, this is an additive that's half on topic on the topic of exploits. Um, if anyone from you guys to just anyone in general, and send me a video of their team winning the Bathurst 12, have to get first place, where at least one lap, they do the jump at the end of the lap. I will give them $100. Stand by, Jake. That. Does this mean, hang on, hang on, because I might do this. If I'm a minute and a half in the lead over a two, two minute and four second lap, or yes. if I'm the only one on the lead lap and I do the jump, does it... I can still finish yeah. in the pits, depending on where my pit stall is towing back. 
I can still take the checkered flag even if I don't drive it to the finish line. Speaking of exploits. Yes. No, no. Went, that's all I said was win the race. Okay. Do the jump on a lap. I might Look, piss off during the race. a little bit. Make sure you specify. Do, do it during, during the, race. the race. Not after the, the race checkered left. flag. Yeah, not after the checkered flag. Not during yeah. qualifying. Not practice. Has to be during the race laps. Oof. Do the jump and still win the race. So yeah, what I'm going to do now that you've just mentioned that, Jake, I'm going to get this mixed tonight and I'm going to throw it live. I'm going to throw it out immediately after all of the yeah. Bathurst session ends because we have talked a little bit of strategy in here tonight. So I'm not going to fuck you guys over that much. Yeah, but No, that's I mean, listen, the, the strategy is pretty clear cut. There's not much. High, yeah. yeah. So I'm one hundred dollars. You said one hundred dollars. First person who sends in a video to you or whatever. Okay, so Jake, how do how does somebody get a hold of? How does somebody send you a video of them doing the jump and winning the bathroom? What's Adam Thompson's email? Someone you can go to www.slowmotionbroadcasting.com, and you can say you can either ask to be uh, a commentator or a steward or something like that, or you can just do an inquiry for a league invite, and you can upload your video clip there. There's a whole form there you got to fill out. Don't worry about any of that. Just say, fuck Jake, fuck Jake, fuck Jake. Put your video in there. I'll see it there in the email, and yeah. I'll go ahead and get that sent over to Jake. There you go. There you go. Done. I like it. There you go. Speaking of slow motion broadcasting, guys, I wanted to end the show out with this. Um, all of you guys are from Sudi. Um, it's been an interesting week here on the slow motion broadcasting side. A league that I don't have to name, but it's it's going to be known, uh, has f- has asked for live stewarding as well as broadcasting for this season. First time slow motion broadcasting has ever done anything like this. It is implied in our name that we are slow motion broadcasting. Uh, we tried it out post-race last season. It worked out pretty well. I think, obviously, there are the verdict still out on that. Um, Worked out well. New season starts up for said league on Tuesday. Um, and our steward. We so but let me let me start this. Bradley, you're gonna have to raid me in here because I I could probably go all over the place if I'm not careful. But let me start this by saying we had one steward steward assigned for that league. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to get that Stuart all spun up on all of the rules, regulations, all that shit that we just talked about for league stuff that they need to get right. So said Stuart has a day job like most fucking people do. Okay. Said Stuart has a day job, breaks his foot, can't make the Tuesday night race. Meanwhile, me as a broadcaster, uh, sets up a whole new overlay. The only overlay the slow motion broadcasting is going to use this season on that league. Everybody else has some standard overlay that I've set up before. The overlay is not right. The imports don't work. Stewart is at the hospital getting his foot x-rayed. Come to find out he broke his toe. At what point, guys, do you have to think? Okay, let me let me continue to go real quick. This isn't 2020 anymore. We're in 2023. 
we don't have the amount of people on the broadcasting side that we used to. And it's just, that's the fact. And the people that are there are busting their balls here for the leagues that we have left to try to get things right. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Let me ask you guys as Bradley, ex-league owner, Eric, Jake, as league drivers, what's the give and the take? There obviously is some. I want to hear your guys' opinions, and then I will continue on my rant. The give and the take on what? What, you, what specifically do you mean? The give. So as a league owner, obviously bringing in something as a brand new product for the stewarding side. Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but bringing in a brand new product and then the broadcaster bringing in a brand new overlay as well. The first time they've ever tried to use this overlay. Uh, what would you expect as a league owner? Obviously, hiring this broadcasting company to do this, right? That's kind of a tough question because I think what you pointed out a good a very good point, and that is that it is most people's second job. There's no, not many people are going to be doing that for a first job. I mean, let's be honest, there isn't many iRacing leagues out there that are going to be able to pony up the amount of money uh, that would be fair for the broadcasters to receive for all the work that they do. That would include the production side of it. That would include making the, you know, uh, obviously the overlays, SDK, whatever it is you're using. Um, you know, all the design for it. Uh, you have to make sure technically everything's correct before you get started. Yes. And now you throw in rules. Like you got to know all the rules because now you're doing stewarding. Now you got to have people, more people live and doing this all at the same time. There is no way, no way that there were not, not anytime soon, I guess is the best way to say it. Not anytime soon. Will will iRacing pull enough people and money into leagues to be able to pay the broadcasters the money they deserve? Let's that's the reality of it. Okay. So then you have to ask yourself, well, what are these guys doing it for then? Well, for the passion of doing it, right? And they're willing to work with you to do pretty much everything to get it right because they just love to do it. But with that, you have to, there's some type of give and a take, right? I mean, there is a give and a take in the sense of like, is this league your full-time job? Is there is there reasons why sometimes you're a little delayed on getting me something that I need? Oh, yeah, because this isn't your primary function in life. And if your wife <laughs> says that you need to go do X, Y, or Z, then guess what? iRacing probably doesn't take precedent over that. Let's be honest, right? And I get it. Once you start selling something, a product, then you expect then, then the buyer expects a certain thing, and they should. But, you know, I guess it falls back on what we're looking at. You know, if you buy, let's say you buy a brand new Porsche 911, first year of a, of a new model, there are going to be problems, but you still bought that car, right? You knew that, and you still bought the car. So they'll do their best to fix it as time goes on, right? It's an expected thing, and the same kind of applies here. Come on. Real life is playing part in our lives. We can't, we don't have a full engineering team, a full design team, a full whatever. And on the other side of it, yeah, I, like it's not our primary function. There's just no way that you could expect a new product to actually work right the first time. So, I mean, there is a give and a take, but it, you could, 
anytime that money is exchanged, you can expect that there's going to be a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess, need from the buyer to meet their expectations. And there should be. So it's an interesting uh, proposition because we are in a, you know, what somebody said the other day, we're like a niche of a niche, you know, like uh, it's like how many people are there really and how much money does it draw to even be able to look at somebody and say, I expect perfection immediately, you know, and, and no life things to be in, get involved. Well, I only have three broadcasters and guess what? If two of them are out, I'm SOL. I don't know what I can do. Right. So it's just, it's tough. It's a tough situation to be in for both parties. Well, I, I can, I can go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, I, I agree. And to kind of piggyback off of, off of what Brad was saying, you know, especially with new leagues, it's really, it's really hard to come out of the gate swinging with a successful league uh, or any organization, right? Anything you, you start takes development, right? And so, especially with us being in a, in a niche of a niche, kind of like you're saying, it, 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 a successful league comes from having league organizers who are willing to talk and communicate and actually implement things discussed with people actually running the league, right? Because that's their that's their target audience right there. Like if they're not listening to those people trying to implement the things that they're talking about, especially in mass, then they're completely missing the point altogether. Right. Because those are the people who are going to keep coming back and racing over and over again, putting their money in, you know, telling their friends, hey, you should check out this league. They're doing it all right. You know, so I, I think having a good community, good communication where everyone feels like it's fair and they're heard is uh, a really good foundation to have. And once you have that, you can kind of discuss as a whole what other things the league is even looking for. Like, okay, hey, we have this. We think it's good because of this reason. We think it would be even better because of this reason. And then what are the steps to implement that? You know, and then each time they look at it, they can further add things to make the league great. And that's just a winning formula, in my opinion. Uh, apparently, Jake has nothing to say, so I will continue. I will add in. I got opinions. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I think the most responsibility should fall on whoever is running the league. The more expectations you have as a league owner, and this is a big caveat, I have never run a league, all right? So, just grain of salt. But, the more expectations you have as a league owner, the more work you have to be willing to put in yourself, or for the group of people that are in the league, uh, the more work you have to put in to achieve that. Uh, if I'm, like, you know, if you have a broadcasting company, right? running your broadcasts that's you know you're essentially contracting them out do you give them a couple expectations and then don't follow up two months like until two months later and say all right where's my stuff no you follow up regularly you try and do tests on anything you try and find you know what progress has been made you have to be active and i think if you want to have like in theory the ideal league live stewarding phenomenal, consistent broadcast, etc. It probably has to be your full-time job. And with taking that into consideration, maybe lower expectations and quality to something that's manageable until you have the people to run it. On the other side, obviously, if you're being paid, 
to, you know, provide a product, you have to, you know, do what you can, the best of your ability to try and, you know, hit your marks there. But again, I think the, the highest responsibility really lies with whoever runs the league. Surprise. Um, that broadcast company in question is obviously me or I wouldn't be this fired up about it. Um, and everything that you guys have said is, I think, spot on. Um, I have, and this is, I'm not trying to give out a sob story here, I promise. Um, I had quit my full-time job, a very well-paying full-time job. Uh, and obviously my attempt to finish school uh, and my attempt to try something new, which was the broadcasting and it was working great. It really was. Um, and then obviously things happen, right? We come out of the pandemic. People start getting back to work. People start seeing this as a hobby again, as most of us should. I don't, I really don't ever expect to be a full-time uh, race car driver. So this isn't my hobby. This is my uh, passion, I guess, which I guess you could kind of consider those two the same thing. But I wanted to give that joy of leagues trying to, you know, get their stuff broadcasted. And it's pretty cool for a league driver to go back and see themselves on YouTube. I mean, let's be honest. It's pretty badass. I think it's badass. I mean, I made sure my league's covered. Uh-oh. Yeah, I get called Wiley, bro. I think yeah. I popped half a chub when I heard that. <laughs> I want to make I want to make sure my league's covered so I can go back and watch myself race because I am an egotistical bastard. Okay, let's be honest. Aren't we all right? So, moving on to what you expect as a league owner from a broadcaster. Uh really depends on what you're getting charged. Okay. Let's be honest. Now I will tell you that slow motion broadcasting, not a plug, even though it's going to be one is one of the cheaper ones you guys can go find. But me as the owner, I can tell you right now, I'm not making very much money at all. And the whole reason that I started this, yes, I'm making some, I'm making about enough money to buy a case of beer every two weeks. Okay. So, I'm making some, but I started this because of passion and I started this as secondary income to my GI bill for going to college. Let me tell you what's happened over the past month. I haven't touched college in three weeks because I'm so worried about what's going on. We're losing people left and right due to the broadcast. Well, people getting back to work, people doing their own things, losing people. And now the leagues are starting to suffer. So my biggest plea, what I ask Anybody who runs a league, anybody who wants race control, anybody who does anything third party and not in-house, you have to understand and you have to respect that this cannot be people's full-time jobs. It never will be. I wanted it to be mine, but now my personal life is suffering because I've invested so much time and so much effort into trying to get everything else right. That's when it becomes not okay. And there has to be this, given this take that we were talking about, league owners have to understand what's going on 
And if you want a very, very professional broadcast and live race control, you're shelling out $200 every race at the minimum. And most of these leagues run 10 to 12 races. Good luck coming up with that money unless you're charging people $50 to join a league. And then you're not giving any for payouts. Yeah. That's yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, you're right. I mean, because I I mean, I don't know the prices of some of these, but I'm just going to assume the ones like Pit Stop TV are probably pretty high on that scale uh, versus maybe or or uh, Apex would be a good one. Yes, maybe Apex. Right. They, they have a ton of people that work for them and stuff. But I think that's the exception. That's certainly not the rule. And they're most leagues are not. They're not going to Apex. Because it's it costs way too much. Somebody's funding them outside of people paying to get into a league. Or there's no way. No, I. There's a reason that, <clears throat> as a broadcasting company, uh, if you go to slow motion broadcasting's YouTube and you go back and you watch all of these videos, you'll see sponsors in the top right hand corner because nobody in their right fucking mind is going to shell out that amount of money. I can tell you right now that I've had leagues pay me over a thousand bucks to get their season broadcasted and ain't nobody in their right mind going to shell out $1,000 to get their league broadcasted on YouTube. There's no way. Now, maybe if you're a gazillionaire and you just want to do this for the fun of it, Tony Kanon, somebody like that, who's just doing this kind of stuff, but that's why there's sponsors in here. So there is, again, a give and a take. You have to please the sponsors. You have to please the league owners. As the broadcaster, you're the one that's being contracted out to do this. But you also have to understand where the broadcaster is coming from sometimes. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Let me just add on that. Maybe how you sell to, as a league owner, what you're going to provide to somebody who sponsors is an issue, too. I mean, we got to quit taking ourselves too serious to a certain degree. I mean... I don't know how I could honestly look a sponsor like in the face and say that we're some high level racing shit anyway, dude. Like we're just some normal dudes that are having a good time that yet there's, you may get a hundred people to watch sometimes, right? And you may get five, like it just is what it is. And you know, you just gotta be, I don't know. I, I think we just have, yes, that's where the give and take starts to play. And it's like, we're all doing this for the love of it. And, Yes, sometimes money is exchanged in that, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we're all just trying to make our community better and enjoy it more by pr providing, you know, fun, uh, fun things to do, like watch the race again and go, oh, that's me and show your family. And they, they don't care, but you no. you think they do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, stuff like that. I, I just feel like that's fun. Or the prizes. I love I'm a big prize driven person, not necessarily because I care about the prize, but I like there to be something. Sure. Right. I don't know. Like winning means something to me. I don't win very often. So when I do, I would appreciate if I won something. So, right. Know. Yeah. So, uh, Jake obviously was in the party, uh, in Sudi this week when I came in and just absolutely lost my mind. Like it was just an unbelievable, just kind of a outpour of emotions and fuck this and fuck that and all that stuff. And you said, Bradley, that we're all doing this because of our passion, because of race cars, because we all love racing. It gets pretty tedious, pretty quick. If you're not careful, it really does. And that's what I would, uh, warn anybody about, uh, that wants to go into something like this, that wants to go into broadcasting or that wants to go into iRacing or join teams. 
just make sure that you're ready to do that because what I've done uh, personally, and this is my this is my story. Um, what I've done is spread myself too thin, right? Because I had such a passion for it. This week, I started to lose that passion. Don't ever do that. Don't ever get yourself into a situation where you start to lose the whole reason you got into sim racing. I have made so many great friends. I've had such a blast. And to lose it over something as trivial as spreading yourself too thin just is the craziest thing to me, you know, and I know it's happened, uh, before, uh, with Sudi as well, with somebody who has done that exact same thing and you lost a sponsor because of it. So, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that just be very, very careful, uh, when you get yourself into it and I'm going to stop it there and we will, we have to, before we round out the show, we got to bring up Mr. Alvis coming up uh, P2 throughout the season for the uh, North American Racing League. Congratulations, my friend. I did not get to watch the race that you were running because I was broadcasting at the same time, but uh, kind of tell me how it went and, you know, just kind of elaborate on your season because I know you were you were sweating it pretty hard, Bradley. Yeah, man. So <laughs> I've done a bunch of leagues, but this is the first time that I've gotten to a league that was this competitive. And I don't know if I really knew what I got myself into. Like I, I, I was at the top kind of a uh, I rating for, uh, for rookie league, right? I think what in that world, like a 2300 is a rookie. Okay. This is serious. And then they have a pro am and then they have uh, a pro league. So they have some top talent, like you know, 10K guys, 4K guys, 8K guys, all, all kinds of stuff. So anyways, I this rookie field is packed. A lot of quality drivers. And after race one, I already knew that it was going to be trouble because I realized that uh, I have about a mid-pack pace compared to some of these guys. I, it was incredible. So just anyways, my from the very beginning, my, my idea was to just – basically play the long game, worry about position, uh, overall, not, not each race per se. Well, I ended up, uh, I didn't finish higher than fifth in a single race. Uh, and I ended up finishing, uh, out in second overall. So yeah, but we went into the, I guess there's three races, uh, left and I was always teeter- teetering around second place and third place had like two bad races in a row. We go into this one. It was a Daytona and, um, I do my typical terrible qualification move and I'm back at like 14th. Uh, the two guys that I'm like really battling are like first and like, I don't know, fourth. And then one of the other guys that was just slightly behind me was in like eighth. So I had a lot of work to do and I'm like, well, not only am I not going to be in first, I'm not going to be in second and I'm probably not going to be in third. (laughs) So this isn't going well. I got to do something. So right off the rip, my goal was like, you get an extra five points for a clean race. So I, I'm very familiar with Daytona. I know I can race pace. I'll do fine. So my goal was to say clean. I was clean for about four or five laps. I was in a groove. Everything was going well. I already worked up to maybe like 10. Hang on, hang on. Let me stop you because I was in the party during your qualifying. Yeah. Uh, were you clean in qualifying, Eric? No, no, that's or not true. Eric. That, Sorry, Bradley. Yeah, that's true. I wasn't. I, I yeah. The new <laughs> implementation of the Daytona rules, I failed. <laughs> So anyways, whatever. Yeah, so it, it led to not so good of a call. 
but yeah, uh, I don't know what lap it was. It was like four or five, six, I don't know, somewhere in there. One of the guys that I was actually racing for, who was competing for first, he was in second, I think, at the time, and I was third at the start of this one. He spins in turn one, doesn't hold his brake. He plays ping pong, flying everywhere, and is rolling back across the track when I show up. So I have no option but to bail out into the grass and like go around and come back. Thankfully, I didn't even lose a position. Matter of fact, I gained a few. Um, but boom, 4X. And I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me, man. This is what a, there goes that whole thing because that was my only real way, right? Is like get as close as you can to these guys and get those extra five points for being clean. And then you could very well jump in front of them whatever. I just put my nose down and I ended up working my way all the way up to fifth. And then uh, I had a great battle with the dude who was behind me in six. He held behind me until, uh, two laps before. And he made the mistake of go ahead and making the pass with one lap remaining. And here so, comes the draft. Yeah, baby. I just waited yep. for the bus stop and I was like too soon, junior too soon. So, <laughs> uh, luckily that was cool. So I moved back up in fifth, which was a paid position. So I got paid for that. And then that was enough to, uh, rein in second place for the season. And I, I'll be quite honest without taking a single podium. I, I could not be happier with, how it panned out. I was very frustrated in one race and it was one of those throw my hands up. I can't believe I did that. I probably would have finished in first if I wouldn't have screwed it up, but I, I think it's a pretty good season overall. So I'm really happy about that. I'm excited for the next season. I know that I think there's going to be more Sudi guys that want to do it next season, but it is one of those ones that if you're interested in a league, it is a good league. However, you better be ready to sweat bullets every race because there is nothing friendly about that race. And I'm not saying they're out there, they're beating the crap out of you, but if if there's an inch given, they will take it and they, and, and they will put you in your place there. So it, it's fun, but it is a, it is a rough season for sure. Consistency is key, uh, no matter what league you're in. And I think you're uh, a great uh, proponent to that. Just be consistent. And you'll come, you, you had one bad race. You took second, man. Imagine what would have happened. You didn't podium all, all season and you came home in second place overall. Like it's pretty crazy. Just be consistent. I mean, yeah. that's what it is in real racing. That's what it is in sim racing. You just got to be consistent, but you guys finished gnarl. And now you're coming over starting on Tuesday at Lamar. You guys have. I believe it's Lamar. I hope it's Lamar. You guys have Wrong Stuff Racing League coming up. Eric, Jake, and Bradley. You guys are all going to be in there. And you can catch all the action, by the way, on Slow Motion Broadcasting. But uh, give me your thoughts on how you think you're going to do. I think all three of you guys are in the Pro-Am class, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, no. Uh, Eric, I believe, is in Am, right? Yep, that's correct. Oh, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I mean, it, it works out. I uh, I didn't do as much driving last season, so uh, I've got some catching up to do. So I think it's going to be a good season to kind of catch up and do that again. You know, yeah. people can call you a smurf for doing stuff like that because I've seen you actually race before, Eric. <laughs> this is true, <laughs> and I, I appreciate the, the, the compliment there. Um, I'm going to prove it to myself this season, and we'll see about moving up next season. But yeah, yeah. no, looking forward to it, driving the BMW. So I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. I mean, my take is simply, uh, Sudi's the team to beat. There it is. So Agreed. if you are in, the, if you're in GT three, 
I don't care which class, Sudi's the team to beat. That, I'm going to put that out there. We have a lineup this time. So I'm going to hype people up here, but we got Jesse Olsen driving with us. We got Jay Hall's going to be back. Uh, he may not make the first race. I'm not 100 on that. I hope he does, Eric. Make sure it happens. Um, yeah, and you got an, you got second-rate driver like me. You got another first-rate driver like Jake. Uh, that's all in the pro. It's a lot of credit. Um, I don't even know if I'm missing. Oh, and Kevin. And Kevin's a come-up guy, so he, he can definitely do it through consistency. So he might be a, a dark horse that people aren't expecting there. So we are loaded in pro. And in AM, yep, we got Eric in there and uh, Bjorn. I mean yes. – how the bullet. Good Lord, dude. So we have the team in place. Oh, and, and Steven. Yeah, Steven's good enough to be in the top five at least every time, too, if he really Wait, do you know, have nails juicy it. Juicy well, B. hang on, hang on. I was going to mention that. So Justin Barrera doesn't like to be put in a box. Okay. Right. No, you it's can't. You better. can't contain Juicy. You know what I mean? The juice is loose. 2D box, if you know the what I mean. The juice is but. always going to be loose, but for sure. all intensive purposes, I will consider Justin Barrera a Sudi driver in the LMP. Oh, I'm sorry, the GTP. And judging by that practice race at Fuji, that guy is going to be one to watch out for as well. So you guys yeah. have, again, Juicy B, Justin Barrera, what you will see on the podcast or the broadcast is going to be running under a different name. But for all intents and purposes, he's part of Sudi, let's be honest. Right. Yeah, and yeah, Sudi in the practice race finished one, two, three. Uh, That's right. And four, right? And four That's and right. six. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So just, guys, if Sudi doesn't win uh, this season in the pro and in the am, I'll be completely shocked. And I'll be very upset because all of those paint jobs will have gone to waste. <laughs> and, let, and let yeah let, so there's two things i can just mention real quick so let me i almost forgot in lmp2 we also got daniel and mm -hmm. I, and daniel c man that dude can drive dude I, there is no doubt about it he doesn't have a lot of time to get on the the sim rig but when he's hot he's hard to beat so he he's definitely another guy that has a chance but yeah those are some good looking liveries there i i think i know the guy that made him it's not me, surprisingly. I know. It's Adam. www.slowmotionbroadcasting.com if you want your liveries done. Yeah. They look good. They're clean. Do you and we got big pops on uh, it, it, uh, NARL for, uh, by the broadcasters, by the way it looks. So, hey, we're looking good. You got to look good. If you're going to win, or hell, even if you're not, you got to look good doing it. It's true. Look good, feel good, yeah. win good. Yeah. Absolutely, guys. So, yeah, Wrong Stuff Racing League is going to be the next serious league that these Sudi guys are going to be racing in. Uh, starts next Tuesday. They're at Lamar. It's going to be 8.45 Eastern time, I believe, is when the qualifying goes live. Uh, tune into Slow Motion Broadcasting on YouTube, and you'll be able to catch all the action there. It will be live-stewarded as well. So it's going to be an interesting season. I think these this has been a totally this is going to be a departure from what we've covered the, for the last two seasons uh, through slow motion broadcasting. There will be some hurt feelings, I'm sure, uh, but uh, you know it is what it is, and obviously everybody's looking forward to it. These Sudi guys have been talking it up in the chat nonstop for the last I don't know week or so. But uh, yeah, any closing thoughts? Uh, Eric, Jake, thank you so much for, for being on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure to be on and, uh, go Sudi. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Sudi's going to stop this.
<laughs> Absolutely, we have so many guys. people. Well, you could call us like a syndicate, practically. You, you could actually. <laughs> I mean, you, you basically, you basically Dang, are. I forgot. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you're not getting bread. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to close it out much better than what Jake did, guys. So, uh, you guys have been listening to the Slow Motion Podcast, and until next time. We'll see ya. Uh, by the way, next time we'll probably be talking about all of our absolute failures during our bathhurst, so tune in for that one. See you guys. You've been listening to the Slow Motion Podcast. Brought to you by the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Make sure to head over to slowmotionbroadcasting.com and get all the info on slow motion broadcasting iRacing services, including league broadcasting, live stewarding, and custom car paints. Are you looking to produce or commentate iRacing leagues? Do you think you have what it takes to be a steward? Slow Motion Broadcasting is hiring. Head over to slowmotionbroadcasting.com for more details and get in touch with the growing SMB team. This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network.